Welcome to the Crypto Assets and Blockchain Podcast. We developed license on blockchain, which is an Ethereum deck that allows the management and transfer and therefore trade of used software licenses. And today I wanted to give some of the experiences I have gained through this development um, yeah, and share them with you. To start off, what is license on blockchain? So what does it actually do? For this, I think you first need to understand what used software actually is, because traditionally software is purchased directly from the manufacturer, maybe through authorized resellers, but basically usually never by um, used software in traditional business. However, in 2012, actually, um, the European Court of Justice decided that the used, trade of used software is legal, which was a gray zone um, for quite some time. But um, they realized as well that um, software licenses are um, virtual goods and therefore posed some additional requirements to this particular trade, which means that on the one hand, the seller must make his copy of the license unusable so that he cannot sell it twice. And secondly, whoever buys a license needs to make sure that um, he can prove a gapless transfer chain and um, yeah, therefore trace his license back to the software manufacturer himself. And we as people who know the blockchain immediately, can immediately see that these are basically two problems that are solved by the blockchain or any digital ledger basically because the first problem is exactly the problem of double spending and the second one is the open ledger. That's why we decided to um, develop license on blockchain because we thought it was a perfect match. So how does it work? At first we need to somehow get these licenses that sometimes already exist or mostly already exist onto the blockchain. Therefore we need to create a digital twin and we decided that we want this uh, process of creating the digital twin to be open to everyone so that everybody, everybody can certify software licenses using license on blockchain. For this, he um, basically requests a license contract, what we call a license contract, from LOB. LOB stands for license on blockchain root contract, um, and which, which um, that we have already deployed on the block um, Ethereum. We are working on Ethereum. And this creates a new license contract that is dedicated to this particular issue. Now you might think that, well, everybody can simply request license contracts and issue licenses under them. That's correct so far. That, therefore, we needed to add some kind of identification, authentication, um, so that we know who actually issued the, these licenses and that they are valid and we could hold him liable for this, um, yeah, whatever he issues. We therefore um, build on top of SSL certificate and certificate authorities because this it's an existing infrastructure that is built up for websites, HTTPS, that has already solved all these problems of digital identification, authorization. And the issuer simply signs a set of LOB rules, which in short basically mean that all the licenses he issues are valid and um, he's not attempting to do, to do any fraud and puts this signature onto the um, license contract. After that, he can then issue licenses. This all works with our LOB wallet that we have developed, which is just a web page and works through MetaMask. 
I think some of you already know MetaMask, otherwise um, I'll go into a bit more detail um, later on. And yeah, once he has um, registered, he can simply issue a license. And I wanted to give you a short um, live demo of how our wallet actually works and how easy it is to transfer licenses using it. So for example, right now here, I'm simply in Google Chrome, I've got MetaMask installed, um, and I own two types of licenses right now. One is Microsoft Office 2016 and one is Microsoft Windows 2010. Um, of one of them I own 175, one of them 275. Uh, and if I, if I wish to simply transfer licenses, I can click transfer, enter an address I want to transfer the licenses to. Let's say I want to transfer 50 licenses, click transfer. And now this um, transaction needs to be submitted to Ethereum. Um, with, which is why MetaMask pops up, which will then submit this transaction to, to the actual blockchain, which in this case right now is a local development blockchain I run on my computer just to keep it easy. Um, but it will soon be, be deployed on the main network. It is already deployed on Robston. So I click Submit. I can see there's a new transaction that um, transfers licenses from my account to this address. This is currently unconfirmed. And if we, we wait a bit, it should hope. It already says two, two confirmations. And if I want to, I can look at the transfer chain and see that I have, um, that originally 200 licenses have been issued to me. I previously transferred 50, 25 licenses and now transferred 50 licenses to a different address. Yeah, so that's as easy as I think it gets to really interact with this, um, um, yeah, with license on blockchain. And you don't really even see that it's um, backed by, um, by blockchain technology, which I think makes it really easy to use. Okay. Yeah, and um, this wallet is already hosted at wallet.licenseonblockchain.org. And um, you can go ahead and use it if you set MetaMask to um, the Robson te test network. So, what, did we, what experiences did we gain from developing license on blockchain? First of all, I thought I'd bring some Solidity code um, with me. Um, that is a simplified example of how our license contract works that keeps track of these, um, yeah, the balances. And I think even if you're not really into code, it's easy to understand what's going on here. So, for example, we start off with a balance that assigns each address each Ethereum address a number, unit 256 is simply a number, and we can transfer licenses to a different address if the balance of the message to sender is sufficient, and we, it's simply about deducting the balance from the um, message sender and assigning it to this recipient's address. Lastly, um, we simply lock the event just to make sure that we can um, later retrieve it again and build up this transfer chain. So it looks a lot, lot, um, a lot like traditional software development, but I think there are some key differences and these I would like to highlight now. The first one is, and I think we've already heard this a couple of times um, yesterday and today, is that once these smart contracts are deployed, you cannot take them back. You cannot run updates, you cannot run bug fixes, and that's why um, we think that testing is absolutely key in um, smart contract development. 
we for ourselves decided to use automated testing using a framework called Truffle. Um, and this framework allows you to um, write automated um, test scripts in JavaScript that interact with your smart contract through web3.js framework I think is currently developed by Fabian Vogelscheller who was here yesterday. Um, and it sets up a fresh testing environment uh, on each run. It runs on a local um, blockchain so you can run your tests as often as you want without paying transaction fees, which is really important. Just to give you an idea, um, our um, Solidity code base consists of about 400 lines of code. That's all there is. And for this, we wrote 600 lines of inline documentation just to specify what these functions actually do because other, if you don't know what they are supposed to do, you can't test them. And we've got about triple the amount of Solidity code and test code just because we wrote every test case that we could think of, we wrote down in, um, in an automated fashion and um, so we know, know we won't regress on it later. Secondly, we thought that no matter how many, um, how many tests we write, we know that there might, may be bugs that we simply didn't think of. So we provided ourselves some safety lectures. Um, and two of these I would like to highlight right now because I think maybe that if you're developing smart contracts yourself, you can um, yeah, adopt them to your use case as well. One of them is that we thought that um, it, may be, um, it may occur that licenses that were issued using license on blockchain should be revoked because of audits, for example, by a court. Because for some reason, um, whoever issued them um, wasn't allowed to do so, or he was um, deliberately perceived by whoever owned these licenses. And so he was not supposed to create the digital twin. That's why we give the issuer the, the option to revoke licenses. It's still on the blockchain that they existed. The entire transfer history is on the blockchain, but they're simply marked as potentially invalid. The second um, example that I would like to highlight is that all of our smart contracts have a function to completely disable them, um, which um, basically disallows any further actions on these smart contracts, so that if we discover a serious bug or um, a serious flaw in the system, we can, um, we can completely shut them down and maybe start over again with an updated version of the smart contracts. Just to make sure that these old um, we can freeze the old state. Yeah, so much for um, the smart contract side. Um, now I, I showed you, um, oh no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and the second one, um, flaw, I think um, exists, or not flaw, but problem, uh, as opposed to traditional backends, is the limited computational power on the, um, on the Ethereum blockchain. And so even if you're willing to spend vast amounts of um, ether on gas, that's the maximum compu um, computational amount you can use in one block. And I did some quick checks that's not scientific at all, but that currently cur um, um, corresponds to, um, to about 0 0.0 milliseconds of compute time on a single core on my laptop which I think everybody agrees is not a lot. That's the maximum you can do in one block. And that's why we decided to use, do some of the really ex or expensive computation, like verifying um, SSL signatures, not on, on the blockchain itself, 
but simply offloading the, um, that computation to the wallet and simply storing the raw data on the blockchain. Yeah, so that every um, so that we can save loads of co um, gas cost on the blockchain and and keep it feasible. Yeah, so much for the smart contracts. That's um, the two main points I would wanted to highlight. And secondly, I um, showed you our wallet that worked through MetaMask. I just wanted to highlight that with MetaMask, which is a browser plugin for, I think, Google Chrome, Firefox, I think Internet Explorer and Opera as well. And you can make your browser capable of um, interacting with the Ethereum blockchain. And I, I think that it means that you need, don't need to um, download any additional software. It um, means that, yeah, the entry barrier is as low as, um, as it has ever been. And what MetaMask then does is that it exposes the Ethereum um, API through a JavaScript fra framework that can then be used from traditional websites. And this means that actually developing this step is not that much different than developing a traditional web app. Um, it means that you can use HTML and CSS for the entire layout, um, which all basically all web developers are capable of. The only key difference is that um, you don't call um, your own web servers through, for example, a REST API, but that you use um, web3.js um, to call into the Ethereum blockchain. But even those are pretty similar um, in how they work because it's also still asynchronous calls. You just need to think about how many transactions can you do and think about that every transaction costs a bit. There are of course a couple of um, input fields and so on that are specific to um, Ethereum dApps that you don't have in traditional web apps. For example, input fields that um, take an Ethereum address, um, a selector to select which gas price you want to use for a transaction. And just wanted to highlight that there are some great packages um, on the Ethereum GitHub repo. Um, also developed by Fabian Vogelsteller for the, the official Mist wallet, um, for the official Ethereum wallet um, that yeah, are really easy to use and make these components yeah, zero effort as well. Yeah, and that's about it. Um, what I wanted to say, it's just, um, I think that um, the time is really there that you can actually actively develop depths using Ethereum. The frameworks are there. It's, a, um, it's sometimes still a bit beta and buggy, but um, mostly it works. And that's kind of the message I wanted to get across. Yeah, if there's, there are any, yeah, if there's,